Chapter Sixteen of the Enchanted April by Elizabeth von Arnim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. And so the second week began, and all was harmony. The arrival of Mr. Wilkins, instead of as three of the party had feared, and the fourth had only been protected from fearing by her burning faith in the effect on him of San Salvatore, disturbing such harmony as there was increased it he fitted in he was determined to please and he did please he was most amiable to his wife not only in public which she was used to but in private when he certainly wouldn't have been if he hadn't wanted to he did want to he was so much obliged to her so much pleased with her for making him acquainted with lady caroline that he felt really fond of her also proud for there must be he reflected a good deal more in her than he had supposed for lady caroline to have become so intimate with her and so affectionate and the more he treated her as though she were really very nice the more lotty expanded and became really very nice and the more he affected in his turn became really very nice himself so that they went round and round not in a vicious but in a highly virtuous circle positively for him mellish petted her there was at no time much pet in mellish because he was by nature a cool man yet such was the influence on him of as lotty supposed san salvatore that in this second week he sometimes pinched both her ears one after the other instead of only one and lotty marvelling at such rapidly developing affectionateness wondered what he would do should he continue at this rate in the third week when her supply of ears would have come to an end he was particularly nice about the washstand and genuinely desirous of not taking up too much of the space in the small bedroom quick to respond lotty was even more desirous not to be in his way and the room became the scene of many an affectionate combat de generosité each of which left them more pleased with each other than ever he did not again have a bath in the bathroom though it was mended and ready for him but got up and went down every morning to the sea and in spite of the cool nights making the water cold early had his dip as a man should and came up to breakfast rubbing his hands and feeling as he told mrs fisher prepared for anything lotty's belief in the irresistible influence of the heavenly atmosphere of san salvatore being thus obviously justified and mr wilkins whom rose knew as alarming and scrap had pictured as icily unkind being so evidently a changed man both rose and scrap began to think that there might after all be something in what lotty insisted on and that san salvatore did work grudgingly on the character they were the more inclined to think so in that they too felt a working going on inside themselves they felt more cleared both of them that second week scrap in her thoughts many of which were now quite nice thoughts real amiable ones about her parents and relations with a glimmer in them of recognition of the extraordinary benefits she had received at the hands of what fate providence anyhow something and of how having received them she had misused them by failing to be happy and rose in her bosom which though it still yearned yearned to some purpose for she was reaching the conclusion that merely inactively to yearn was no use at all and that she must either by some means stop her yearning or give it at least a chance 
remote but still a chance of being quieted by writing to frederick and asking him to come out if mr wilkins could be changed thought rose why not frederick how wonderful it would be how too wonderful if the place worked on him too and were able to make them even a little understand each other even a little to be friends rose so far had loosening and disintegration gone on in her character now was beginning to think her obstinate straight-lacedness about his books and her austere absorption in good works had been foolish and perhaps even wrong he was her husband and she had frightened him away she had frightened love away precious love and that couldn't be good was not lotty right when she said the other day that nothing at all except love mattered nothing certainly seemed much use unless it was built up on love but once frightened away could it ever come back yes it might in that beauty it might in the atmosphere of happiness lotty and san salvatore seemed between them to spread round like some divine infection she had however to get him there first and he certainly couldn't be got there if she didn't write and tell him where she was she would write she must write for if she did there was at least a chance of his coming and if she didn't there was manifestly none and then once here in this loveliness with everything so soft and kind and sweet all round it would be easier to tell him to try and explain to ask for something different for at least an attempt at something different in their lives in the future instead of the blankness of separation the cold oh the cold of nothing at all but the great windiness of faith the great bleakness of works why one person in the world one single person belonging to one of one's very own to talk to to take care of to love to be interested in was worth more than all the speeches on platforms and the compliments of chairmen in the world it was also worth more rose couldn't help it the thought would come than all the prayers these thoughts were not head thoughts like scraps who was altogether free from yearnings but bosom thoughts they lodged in the bosom it was in the bosom that rose ached and felt so dreadfully lonely and when her courage failed her as it did on most days and it seemed impossible to write to frederick she would look at mr wilkins and revive there he was a changed man there he was going into that small uncomfortable room every night that room whose proximities had been lotty's only misgiving and coming out of it in the morning and lotty coming out of it too both of them as unclouded and as nice to each other as when they went in and hadn't he so critical at home lotty had told her of the least thing going wrong emerged from the bath catastrophe as untouched in spirit as shadrach meshach and abednego were untouched in body when they emerged from the fire miracles were happening in this place if they could happen to mr wilkins why not to frederick she got up quickly yes she would write she would go and write to him at once but suppose she paused suppose he didn't answer suppose he didn't even answer and she sat down again to think a little longer in these hesitations did rose spend most of the second week
then there was mrs fisher her restlessness increased that second week it increased to such an extent that she might just as well have not had her private sitting-room after all for she could no longer sit not for ten minutes together could mrs fisher sit and added to the restlessness as the days of the second week proceeded on their way she had a curious sensation which worried her of rising sap she knew the feeling because she had sometimes had it in childhood in specially swift springs when the lilacs and the syringes seemed to rush out into blossom in a single night but it was strange to have it again after over fifty years she would have liked to remark on the sensation to someone but she was ashamed it was such an absurd sensation at her age yet oftener and oftener and every day more and more did mrs fisher have a ridiculous feeling as if she were presently going to burgeon sternly she tried to frown the unseemly sensation down burgeon indeed she had heard of dried staffs pieces of mere dead wood suddenly putting forth fresh leaves but only in legend she was not in legend she knew perfectly well what was due to herself dignity demanded that she should have nothing to do with fresh leaves at her age and yet there it was the feeling that presently that at any moment now she might crop out all green mrs fisher was upset there were many things she disliked more than anything else and one was when the elderly imagined that they felt young and behaved accordingly of course they only imagined it they were only deceiving themselves but how deplorable were the results she herself had grown old as people should grow old steadily and firmly no interruptions no belated afterglows and spasmodic returns if after all those years she was now going to be deluded into some sort of unsuitable breaking out how humiliating indeed she was thankful that second week that kate lumley was not there it would be most unpleasant should anything different occur in her behaviour to have kate looking on kate had known her all her life she felt she could let herself go here mrs fisher frowned at the book she was vainly trying to concentrate on for where did that expression come from much less painfully before strangers than before old friends old friends reflected mrs fisher who hoped she was reading compare one constantly with what one used to be they are always doing it if one develops they are surprised at development they hark back they expect motionlessness after say fifty to the end of one's days that thought mrs fisher her eyes going steadily line by line down the page and not a word of it getting through into her consciousness is foolish of friends it is condemning one to a premature death one should continue of course with dignity to develop however old one might be she had nothing against developing against further ripeness because as long as one was alive one was not dead obviously decided mrs fisher and development change ripening were life what she would dislike would be unripening going back to something green she would dislike it intensely and this is what she felt she was on the brink of doing naturally it made her very uneasy and only in constant movement could she find distraction increasingly restless and no longer able to confine herself to her battlements 
she wandered more and more frequently and also aimlessly in and out of the top garden to the growing surprise of scrap especially when she found that all mrs fisher did was to stare for a few minutes at the view pick a few dead leaves off the rose bushes and go away again in mr wilkins's conversation she found temporary relief but though he joined her whenever he could he was not always there for he spread his attentions judiciously among the three ladies and when he was somewhere else she had to face and manage her thoughts as best she could by herself perhaps it was the excess of light and colour at san salvatore which made every other place seem dark and black and prince of wales terrace did seem a very dark black spot to have to go back to a dark narrow street and her house dark and narrow as the street with nothing really living or young in it the goldfish could hardly be called living or at most not more than half living and were certainly not young and except for them there were only the maids and they were dusty old things dusty old things mrs fisher paused in her thoughts arrested by the strange expression where had it come from how was it possible for it to come at all it might have been one of mrs wilkins's in its levity its almost slang perhaps it was one of hers and she had heard her say it and unconsciously caught it from her if so this was both serious and disgusting that the foolish creature should penetrate into mrs fisher's very mind and establish her personality there the personality which was still in spite of the harmony apparently existing between her and her intelligent husband so alien to mrs fisher's own so far removed from what she understood and liked and infect her with her undesirable phrases was most disturbing never in her life before had such a sentence come into mrs fisher's head never in her life before had she thought of her maids or of anybody else as dusty old things they were most respectable neat women who were allowed the use of the bathroom every saturday night elderly certainly but then so was she so was her house so was her furniture so were her goldfish they were all elderly as they should be together but there was a great difference between being elderly and being a dusty old thing how true it was what ruskin said that evil communications corrupt good manners but did ruskin say it on second thoughts she was not sure but it was just the sort of thing he would have said if he had said it and in any case it was true merely hearing mrs wilkins evil communications at meals she did not listen she avoided listening yet it was evident she had heard those communications which in that they so often were at once vulgar indelicate and profane and always she was sorry to say laughed at by lady caroline must be classed as evil was spoiling her own mental manners soon she might not only think but say how terrible that would be if that were the form her breaking out was going to take the form of unseemly speech mrs fisher was afraid she would hardly with any degree of composure be able to bear it at this stage mrs fisher wished more than ever that she were able to talk over her strange feelings with someone who would understand there was however no one who would understand except mrs wilkins herself she would she would know at once mrs fisher was sure what she felt like 
but this was impossible it would be as abject as begging the very microbe that was infecting one for protection against disease she continued accordingly to bear her sensations in silence and was driven by them into that frequent aimless appearing at the top garden which presently roused even scrap's attention scrap had noticed it and vaguely wondered at it for some time before mr wilkins inquired of her one morning as he arranged her cushions for her he had established the daily assisting of lady caroline into her chair as his special privilege whether there was anything the matter with mrs fisher at that moment mrs fisher was standing by the eastern parapet shading her eyes and carefully scrutinizing the distant white houses of mezzago they could see her through the branches of the daphnes i don't know said scrap she is a lady i take it said mr wilkins who would be unlikely to have anything on her mind i should imagine so said scrap smiling if she has and her restlessness appears to suggest it i should be more than glad to assist her with advice i am sure you would be most kind of course she has her own legal adviser but he is not on the spot i am and a lawyer on the spot said mr wilkins who endeavoured to make his conversation when he talked to lady caroline light aware that one must be light with young ladies is worth two in we won't be ordinary and complete the proverb but say london you should ask her ask her if she needs assistance would you advise it would it not be a little uh, a little delicate to touch on such a question the question whether or no a lady has something on her mind perhaps she will tell you if you go and talk to her i think it must be lonely to be mrs fisher you are all thoughtfulness and consideration declared mr wilkins wishing for the first time in his life that he were a foreigner so that he might respectfully kiss her hand on withdrawing to go obediently and relieve mrs fisher's loneliness it was wonderful what a variety of exits from her corner scrap contrived for mr wilkins each morning she found a different one which sent him off pleased after he had arranged her cushions for her she allowed him to arrange the cushions because she instantly had discovered the very first five minutes of the very first evening that her fears lest he should cling to her and stare in dreadful admiration were baseless mr wilkins did not admire like that it was not only she instinctively felt not in him but if it had been he would not have dared to in her case he was all respectfulness she could direct his movements in regard to herself with the raising of an eyelash. His one concern was to obey. She had been prepared to like him, if he would only be so obliging as not to admire her, and she did like him. She did not forget his moving defencelessness the first morning in his towel, and he amused her, and he was kind to Lotty. It is true she liked him most when he wasn't there— but then she usually liked everybody most when they weren't there certainly he did seem to be one of those men rare in her experience who never looked at a woman from the predatory angle the comfort of this the simplification it brought into the relations of the party was immense from this point of view mr wilkins was simply ideal he was unique and precious whenever she thought of him and was perhaps inclined to dwell on the aspects of him that were a little boring 
she remembered this and murmured but what a treasure indeed it was mr wilkins's one aim during his stay at san salvatore to be a treasure at all costs the three ladies who were not his wife must like him and trust him then presently when trouble arose in their lives and in what lives did not trouble sooner or later arise they would recollect how reliable he was and how sympathetic and turn to him for advice ladies with something on their minds were exactly what he wanted lady caroline he judged had nothing on hers at the moment but so much beauty for he could not but see what was evident must have had its difficulties in the past and would have more of them before it had done in the past he had not been at hand in the future he hoped to be and meanwhile the behaviour of mrs fisher the next in importance of the ladies from the professional point of view showed definite promise it was almost certain that mrs fisher had something on her mind he had been observing her attentively and it was almost certain with the third with mrs arbuthnot he had up to this made least headway for she was so very retiring and quiet but might not this very retiringness this tendency to avoid the others and spend her time alone indicate that she too was troubled if so he was her man he would cultivate her he would follow her and sit with her and encourage her to tell him about herself arbuthnot he understood from lotty was a british museum official nothing specially important at present but mr wilkins regarded it as his business to know all sorts and kinds besides there was promotion arbuthnot promoted might become very much worth while as for lotty she was charming she really had all the qualities he had credited her with during his courtship and they had been it appeared merely in abeyance since his early impressions of her were now being endorsed by the affection and even admiration lady caroline showed for her lady caroline dester was the last person he was sure to be mistaken on such a subject her knowledge of the world her constant association with only the best must make her quite unerring lotty was evidently then that which before marriage he had believed her to be she was valuable she certainly had been most valuable in introducing him to lady caroline and mrs fisher a man in his profession could be immensely helped by a clever and attractive wife why had she not been attractive sooner why this sudden flowering mr wilkins began too to believe there was something peculiar as lotty had almost at once informed him in the atmosphere of san salvatore it promoted expansion it brought out dormant qualities and feeling more and more pleased and even charmed by his wife and very content with the progress he was making with the two others and hopeful of progress to be made with the retiring third mr wilkins could not remember ever having had such an agreeable holiday the only thing that might perhaps be bettered was the way they would call him mr wilkins nobody said mr mellish wilkins yet he had introduced himself to lady caroline he flinched a little on remembering the circumstances as mellish wilkins still this was a small matter not enough to worry about 
he would be foolish if in such a place and such society he worried about anything he was not even worrying about what the holiday was costing and had made up his mind to pay not only his own expenses but his wife's as well and surprise her at the end by presenting her with her nest egg as intact as when she started and just the knowledge that he was preparing a happy surprise for her made him feel warmer than ever towards her in fact mr wilkins who had begun by being consciously and according to plan on his best behaviour remained on it unconsciously and with no effort at all and meanwhile the beautiful golden days were dropping gently from the second week one by one equal in beauty with those of the first and the scent of bean-fields in flower on the hillside behind the village came across to san salvatore whenever the air moved in the garden that second week the poet's eyed narcissus disappeared out the long grass at the edge of the zigzag path and wild gladiolus slender and rose-coloured came in in their stead white pinks bloomed in their borders filling the whole place with their smoky sweet smell and a bush nobody had noticed burst into glory and fragrance and it was a purple lilac bush such a jumble of spring and summer was not to be believed in except by those who dwelt in those gardens everything seemed to be out together all the things crowded into one month which in england are spread penuriously over six even primroses were found one day by mrs wilkins in a cold corner up in the hills and when she brought them down to the geraniums and heliotrope of san salvatore they looked quite shy End of chapter 16